Welcome to Gapology Radio Podcast with authors Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. We can be reached at gapology.org and our books can be found at amazon.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Gapology Radio. This is your leadership podcast on Gapology, Imbar, and more. Let's go ahead and give Mark Tinas a call and see what he's up to. Hey, how are you, Mark? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. What's new? Uh, just working hard. Yeah? As always. As always, that's for sure. Seems like it's uh, sunrise to sunset, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> that's for sure. I was up at 5 this morning working on the book. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, we're it's making some good progress, good. though. Good. Yeah, it's an exciting book. Yeah, yeah. So what would you uh, like to cover this week? Well, I wanted to talk about underperformers and what to do with underperformers on your team. It's a common question that I get. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No, that sounds good. All right. Let me jump right in. Yeah, so, perfect. Underperformance is a common issue. It happens everywhere. It's just a, a matter of degree, and it's a matter of what you do about it as a leader. So uh, let's talk about it. So the, the first thing I would tell you is that you need to look in the mirror because often underperformance is the result of the leader not being clear on expectations. We've learned that, right, Brian? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So expectations have to be clear. People can't hit a target they don't know about. People can't win if they don't even know what the definition of winning is. And we love this index card exercise that we've talked about before where we hand the subordinate an index card and ask them to write down the expectations of the leader. We then hand the leader an index card and ask them to write down the expectations, and we compare the two. And underperforming leaders have a terrible match rate, so make sure that your match rate is great. Uh, the other thing there that we've learned is that three to five expectations is, is the key. It can't be 25. It needs to be a narrow list of clearly defined expectations and that makes all the difference in the world. So if you want your team to perform, be very clear on what performance looks like and what you expect. What, what do you think of that, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think that mirror uh, statement is such a good analogy. I think you know, if you look at somebody and they're not performing, it's really a reflection of you as a leader. Um, yeah, there's some people who just check out and they're just non-compliant and they just don't want to do it. But I think the vast majority of people get up every morning and truly want to do a good job. So when somebody's not performing, I, I think, you know, looking in the mirror is the, the, the right first step. And then looking at, are you setting those clear expectations? Are you following the steps in Gapology? Yeah, that's it. So a couple of other things that we've learned there is... In this set of narrow expectations, the three to five expectations, if you have tied them to purpose, if they serve a greater good and you've wrapped them in purpose, they are much more achievable for the individual. It creates a discretionary effort and an engagement inside the individual like never before. So try and set expectations that are big and that are meaningful and that are tied to purpose. It is an absolute game changer. Uh, What do you think about that, Brian? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've talked on the podcast before about, uh, you know, with MBAR even, uh, with mindset. 
Um, purpose, you know, a lot of that's emotionally driven. It's mindset driven. Um, so if you do wrap your team in purpose, you're going to get that buy-in. You're going to get that belief that what somebody's working on is of something of purpose, something that matters. Yeah, so we've seen underperformance and underperformers just go away when expectations are clear. So don't forget that and, and just you know keep that mirror close by. Um, one of the things we've learned from great leaders is that they manage unequally. They do not manage their team equally. They understand that individuals require different things to succeed. So they manage them as individuals, not just as a group. So managing unequally is something you need to learn how to do, and it can be quite effective. It doesn't mean that you're not fair. It means that you use different tactics in order to get different people to perform. It's, it's just, just how it is. Another great tactic that we learned from top performing leaders was that they have a rhythm, a rhythm to their week, a rhythm to their day, and this rhythm clarifies the expectations. I'll give you an example. We know of a leader that every Monday at three o'clock, they hold a meeting and they have their team present the same five things. So it's an open book test. The team knows what they're gonna present on Monday at three o'clock. It's always the same five things. So guess what happens to their behavior all week long, knowing that on Monday at three o'clock, they're gonna present the same five things. It creates a significant focus around those five things and around achieving those five things so that they can stand out in front of their peer group, so that they can present you know, a great week, you know, to, to their team and to the, to the supervisor. So it's a total game changer for the leader to have a clear rhythm that demonstrates to the team what's important. What do you think, Brian? Yeah. You know, a couple of things there. Um, the managing unequally thing, when you were talking about that, I was just picturing in my mind so many times, and this drives me nuts, so many times when one person on the team is underperforming, the manager counsels or coaches the entire team. So they use that person as an example and and they provide that coaching to everybody. So your top performers are getting coached on things that they're not even doing wrong. And, you know, I see that over and over again. And I think a lot of it is that that leader is uncomfortable with uh, that negative one-on-one feedback. Um, so you have to be able to know your people, be able to address the individuals as needed, um, know your people, adjust your leadership style to fit that person's needs. Um, and, and I think rhythm, I think ties into that. So if your rhythm is managing people unequally, I think that's a huge win for you. Yeah. Another thing we've learned from the top performing leaders is that if they have an underperformer, they will often set guideposts. Let me give you an example. So let's say that you had concerns that an individual was unproductive and that their days were just being wasted. We found a leader who managed unequally that group of underperformers and was quite successful in turning around their performance. So what they did was they had every day at four o'clock, 
that individual who they felt was underperforming, meet with them, whether it's in person or by phone or by FaceTime, whatever, and present to them their day, what they accomplished, what they did, pictures, documents, whatever the you know measurements are, what their day looked like. And then they coached them on how to be even more productive the following day. So the following day, they meet again at 4 p.m. This is like a 15-minute meeting. It's short, but it's a total game changer because not only does the underperformer now know what's expected, they know again about the guidepost, the 4 p.m. meeting the following day, and again, it affects their behavior, and it, you know, it clarifies what matters. So you can manage underperformers quite um, unequally by using these guideposts and by developing you know, s- such a thing as this 4 p.m. drill that I'm describing. So again, it highlights the underperformance and it works to correct it very quickly. You know, we're not gonna have time to do that every day, but we're gonna do it until we, we fully understand what's going on and we course correct. There's some other tactics that I've heard of out there that just sound crazy, but they work. I know of a leader who took their biggest underperformance in a given category and made them the captain for the entire team of that category. So the bottom performer became the leader of the category. Well, what this did was it it put their focus on it. It put their career on the line for this category and they began to perform and they became an average performer from the bottom to average because they were the captain credibility it was all on the line and it worked so again as a leader managing unequal unequally managing the team unequally is absolutely significant to overcoming underperformance and you can do it in many ways. We, we know of a leader that gets together with the team once a month, and the team presents all of their results for the month. They get up in front of their peer group and they present. So again, another open book test, but the leader can now see the difference between the individuals on the team and can course correct uh, during the month after seeing the presentation. It clarifies and magnifies performance to the point where the underperformance is evident. So the clarity of the leader around expectations, managing unequally, having a rhythm, having guideposts, truly managing unequally through that guidepost piece is big, is big. At the end of the day, though, consequences do work. The team must know there's consequences for underperformance. It can be a good thing for a team to see an underperformer go away. It changes the performance level of everyone, and it clarifies what matters. So that's what I'm thinking about underperformance and underperformers. Brian, I'll leave it to you to close. Okay, yeah, I just want to share one last thought. Um, So I'm thinking about gapology. So, you know, the knowledge gap is the what and the how. So that's understanding, that's that's knowing what to do, it's knowing how to do it. Um, So... If, if people have demonstrated that they know what to do and how to do it, then there's no knowledge gap. And if you look at the importance gap, if they've demonstrated why something matters or when it needs to be done, there's no importance gap. 
So if you look in the mirror, you as a leader own those two gaps. And it, but if you can verify that those two gaps are closed, the last gap is the choice. So underperformers are making the choice not to perform. So that's where you can really tie in accountability. Um, so I would walk through gapology when you're looking at underperformers. Have you done your due diligence around the knowledge gap and the importance gap? And then have you created the culture? Have you done some of the root solutions with the action gap? You know, accountability, commitment, and culture. Is that part of your rhythm? And if not, take a step back and apply those. But um, underperformers really can be drawn out if you walk through the steps of gapology. Yeah, and we, we've seen teams that have embraced gapology and rolled it out to their entire team, and they, they've become top performers. So gapology in and of itself uh, overcomes you know underperformance. So that's a great point, Brian. Okay. All right, well, thank you. Thanks, everybody. All right, thanks a lot, Mark. We'll talk to you later. Okay, that'll do it from here. Head on over to our website, gapology.org, for more information. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology production. Visit us at gapology.org.